is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Jimmy Scroggins here, back in the studio, and I'm joined with my good friend and one of our family church pastors, Steve Scalisi. We're talking bivocational church planting. This is part two in our bivocational church planting conversation. If you're regular with Church for the Rest of Us and you're a regular listener of ours, then you know that we talk a lot about our vision to plant 100 neighborhood churches all across our region in South Florida. And we've also talked about how we know we can't launch large every single time. So we're trying to do this in a way that's affordable and sustainable. And this is where guys like Steve Scalisi come in. So Steve, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, about your family, and how long you've been in Florida, and how you got connected to Family Church. Sure. 44 years old, been in Florida my whole life. Been with Family Church for about five years. You and I had a little bit of a relationship before that, and you and I had lunch, and we had some mutual friends. And so that's really how I got connected with Family Church, married to April for 22 years, three children, about to send one of them off to college, and then and then a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. So we're living in great times, three daughters. They're precious. They're awesome. Yeah. And so, Steve, you, you and I made friends several years ago because we had mutual friends that went to our church and so forth. But you already had a reputation in the community as a public, reputable Christian businessman. And you and April and the girls obviously have a great kind of a great name in our community as well. And so when you came on board with Family Church, it was a little bit unusual because you specifically came on board with us because you're interested in church planting. But before we get to your role as a church planner, tell our listeners about your day job. What do you actually do to make a living? Yes, I'm a financial advisor with a company called UBS, pretty well-known company. And so I've got a partner, we've got a practice, and we manage money for folks and do a lot of financial planning. And really one of our things we do that's probably unique is that we try to teach people how to give away their money. Yeah. Which is which is usually not a good business model when you're in the business of managing money and getting paid to manage their money. Right. But it's worked out. God's been good and, and it's been a really a great thing. Yeah, and your ministry when it comes to generosity has been a blessing to our church and to many others. So talk a little bit about that. Then how did God call you to be a pastor while you're doing this? And just just in all transparency with our listeners. I mean, Steve's a very successful financial planner. Okay. So he's extremely successful. He does really well and he has a big job and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, it takes a lot to run his business. So how did you, while you're doing all of that, how did you decide, Hey, I think I'm also going to be a pastor of a church. Yeah. It was probably one of those things where I didn't decide the Lord decided for me. So I was minding my own business. I was a good church member. Now that I'm a pastor, I, I want other members like me. I want. I taught Sunday school. I, I tithe. You know, I gave whatever the things. Uh, my wife serves in the ministry. Our kids yeah. serve in the ministry. I mean, we'd be a model family. Yeah. So I'm minding my own business on vacation in Chicago and waiting for my wife to get back from the gym. I'm watching the girls. They're all sleeping, waiting for her to come back. When she comes, I'm going to go to the gym. And then I just am having a prayer time, and I just sense the Lord's telling me to go to Moody Bible. She has a word for me. And I'm like, what is all this about? And so I, I, I thought Moody, I didn't know much about Moody. I'd heard of Moody, uh, but we were staying downtown about five blocks from Moody. And in my mind, I was going to have to rent a car 
and go somewhere out in the boonies wherever Moody was. Well, it was five blocks away. So now I'm like, right. am I supposed to go to Moody? Is like, there going to be like a light shining down and all that? And I began to realize that this was the Lord calling me to go into ministry. And so I had to t- I'll tell my wife, right? Tell your wife, she has a word for you. So I said, hey, you might want to sit down for this kind of a big deal. And I tell her and she just looks at me and goes, oh, I always knew you were going into ministry. I was like, oh, that's nice. Were you going to let me know? And she said, I'm letting you know now. And so that's kind of how it started. And so I called Moody and, and I'd already complained and I, I was already thinking like, how am I going to come up here three, four times a year? And I called them and they said, well, we're offering a brand new program. We're starting in two months. It's, it's all online. I was like, well, fine. Send me this stuff. I don't really want to do this, but send me this stuff. And, right, right. and then a week later, I, I called you. I didn't know why. I felt like I was supposed to call you. I, I didn't. And we, you and I had, had a relationship, but it's not like I called you every day. I was like, hey, Jimmy, tell me about your eight kids. You know, tell me what's going on in your life. And then uh, when you and I sat down, I just looked at you and I said, hey, man, does church planting mean anything to you? I kind of sensed that that was something I was supposed to do. And you just laughed. And right. you were like, well, you know what we're doing at Family Church, right? And I said, no. And you said, I just cast a vision. We want to plant 100 neighborhood churches. And I said, good for you guys. I hope that works. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I also told you that we had just hired a guy named Steve Wright. That's right. And one of the big tasks that I'd placed before Steve was I want you to come and help us develop church planters so that we can plant 100 neighborhood churches. We'd written some articles about bivocational church planting. And so it was the funniest thing because you and I were sitting there uh, downtown in West Palm Beach having this lunch and this conversation, and and you kind of brought up what we were exactly launching into. And it kind of messed. So I put you together with Steve and then what happened? Well, then we went to this meeting that Sunday night, brought my wife and there were about 10 guys and 10 wives. And we get in the car on the way home. And I, and I know now for sure, this is what I'm supposed to do. I mean, it's so clear, but I don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. I've got a good life. I'm serving. Life's pretty simple for me. I'm a good Christian. Like, Hey, I'm going to heaven. Life's good. I, I kind of like what I'm doing. I'm floating. And I look over at April and I said, what do you think? She goes, you're so doing this. I said, I know. And so we started the residency maybe two weeks later. And then seminary started about a month after that. And and we did those simultaneously. Did that for the next couple of years. And then about a year after finishing seminary and a year after finishing the residency, uh, we planted Family Church Jupiter. Yeah, so you plant a family church, Jupiter, with a core group of about, I don't know, 100 people, about 100 something people, like that. 80 adults and 20 kids. Right, and so now you've more than doubled in the last couple of years, and we're on the cusp of expanding our children's area at your campus so that we're going to be able to have more people come with kids, and then we're going to have a plan to build a new sanctuary. And so the growth of your campus has been phenomenal, and you've done it bivocationally with a bivocational team of leaders around you. And I think God's hand has really been on you and your leadership and your vision for doing this and your commitment to it. But I know that it can't be easy, Steve. And so anybody listening to this who thinks, oh, this is just real simple, it's not. What what motivates you to actually keep going? And and I'll say, and, and, and part of what motivated you to get started was April. And what, what keeps you and April going in this endeavor? Well, there's a call, right? So you feel called by the Lord. So you, you can't discount that. So even though I fought him, and, and I'm really... I'm really suppressing. I mean, I fought him. I mean, I was angry with the Lord. I was like, I don't want to do this. I can't believe you're making me do this. Just leave me alone. I just, just let me go and teach Sunday school. And so once I got over that and began to realize this was his call, it it really, it's the main motivator, right? Well, now part of the motivation too is, man, I'm seeing people come to know Christ. we're We're baptizing people. And so I got to see that a little bit before as a lay leader, as a lay person. 
But now as the pastor, man, you just, you just, every, everybody gets saved. Everybody gets baptized. You're just like, this is, this is the stuff right here. Right. And, and so that's, that's really, you know, the call of the Lord, of course. The, and then of course, just seeing the fruit of it is, is massive. It's, it's huge. Well, I think, I think when you, when I watch you lead your people, one of the things I see, Steve, when you're, when you're, a, when you're a lay person, even a highly involved, highly generous lay person, like, like yourself, you're still coming to church. You're missing once a month because you're out of town. You're doing this. You're kind of involved, but you're also speaking at another church every once in a while. And now you, I just watch you take such ownership over all the volunteers and what's going on in the kids area and the sermon and the music and the first impressions team and the facility. And just watching you do that, I can see you rising to the leadership demands of pastoring this church, but there's all kinds of challenges to be in bivocation. Before we, you know, we're kind of preparing for this conversation off the air. You said, Hey, can I tell them about the crappy parts? And so, <laughs> and, the, and the answer is yes. T- talk a little bit about the challenges of being Bible. So, so the number one challenge is time. Probably everybody's challenge in life, right? right? But I've never noticed it more. So, I, so when I was, when I had a job, just, just a job, quote unquote, I was always involved in other ministries in town. So I was teaching in my church. I was I was chairing boards, local boards of ministries. And and I thought, oh, this is all I got to do is replace the time I was spending on that with the time I'm pastoring. But what I found is that it's not the hours necessarily. I mean, the hours matter and they're, they're important. It's the bandwidth. So you're constantly, you know, as a pastor, you're always thinking about your flock. You're always thinking about the church. Well, I also have to always think about my practice as well. And so what I found was I, I didn't do this very well the first year. And I think you could get away with it for a little while. And then there'll come a point where you kind of go. And for me, it was my wife coming to me saying, hey, listen, you're not really present. And I was, I was surprised by that because we were having dinner Monday through Thursday, Friday night's football night, Saturday night, her and I go on a date, Sunday is church, and then kind of whatever goes on, you know, whatever you do Sunday night. And she said, no, 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 you're physically present, but you are mentally checked out. And so that was a huge, huge, huge deal. And so I was able to very easily come to you and Steve and say, guys, here's where I'm at. Uh, you know, my wife's not leaving me, but she's letting me know, hey, you're not present. She was very sweet about it, very kind, and, and I received it well. And then, and then we came up with some solutions to kind of help manage the time a little bit better. We hired somebody to help out. And, and so, but the biggest challenge is definitely time. It's just time, time, time. And I, and I think your sensitivity to April and letting her be sort of a barometer on this because she's the one who who pushed you into this in the first place. So there could be some situation where somebody's wife could be complaining about it or upset about something and you could kind of go, well, she's kind of negative on this. She's never really bought in. Well, April's been bought in from day one. Really, she was kind of several steps ahead of you. Yes, as she typically is. Right. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and so for, for her to be the one saying, hey, I, I'm concerned about what this is doing in our family. And and so I think your response to that was so, I think it was so right, right on and good leadership all the way around. So we were able to address some of those things. So you have, you have time challenges. One of the things, Steve, you know, when you, when you're being a bivocational pastor, talk a little bit about the, the focus that you have to bring to the table, because you can't do everything that a full-time vocational pastor can do. So there has to be times when you just go to your church members, hey, yeah, I know at your other church where you had full-time pastors, they did that. I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. So that was probably one of the most difficult things in the beginning. I'm a people pleaser. I wanted to make people happy. I wanted to be there for them. But setting that, and that was something you helped me out early on with, was just kind of setting the tone early. Just letting them know there are going to be limitations. 
and I'm going to do everything I can to, to be there for you. But there are just going to be times when I can't, and I'll tell you, man, it's been two years and I mean, maybe they're grumbling behind my back, but, but I don't sense that. I, I, I think our folks are, they've bought in, they understand it. Matter of fact, they're often saying to me, well, I didn't want to bother you. And I, you know, and so I said, no, 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 you, you can come to me with that stuff. I, I want you to share that with me. And we've got a team that I can delegate things to as well. And so that's extremely helpful. I think having the team is massively important. No, no question. All right. So what are some of the benefits you see of being bivocational? How does that actually help the church be healthy and how does it help it grow what are what are some of the best things about that? Yeah, so I, I think not having you think about the reason most church plants fail. The number one reason is money, lack of funds, mainly because you have to pay the pastor. I don't need a large income from the church, so we run very inexpensively. Like when I talk to other pastors about what it costs to run our campus, they're they're surprised. But it's because our payroll is almost it's not almost zero, but it's not a whole lot. Actually, let me let me just you you would never say this, but let me just. Just tell our listeners, actually, our payroll, because our team is bivocational at your campus, we just hired our first full-time pastor to help you. But up until just this month, it's been bivocational. Actually, uh, the people at your campus, all of our team tithes a lot more than we pay them. Mm-hmm. And so actually, all of you are paying to pastor these right, churches. Right, right. There you go. So, 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 so we're in the black. That's good. That's very good. And uh, But I think not having that financial pressure of having to make it. Has I, and I think I think our people, I, we don't we don't talk about it, but I don't I think our people understand like, man, we're just relaxed, we're just loving Jesus, we're just loving the Lord, we're just trying to serve the community. We don't have that additional pressure of having to make payroll, of having to make the make our monthly nut, and and so I think that is a huge huge help. And in, in, in as far as like the way you prepare and the the way you present yourself, it's just that that's just off the table. It's not even an issue. Hey, have you found that men? actually kind of have a, a different kind of respect for you than they would for a full-time vocational pastor. All they the know, time. T- talk to us a little bit about All those conversations. So, so, and they're not being derogatory towards the full-time pastor, but I hear constantly, man, that that's so cool. You're, you're kind of like Paul in that way, or I think it kind of gives you a little bit of, a, of an edge in the sense that they don't just think that you, not that it's anything wrong with going to seminary and going right into ministering, but they kind of look at you like, hey, man, you've actually been in business. You actually, yeah, like... Like I can have, I can have a different kind of conversation with you, but it's still spiritual. And so, you know, I understand numbers or whatever we might be talking about, a business deal or something. So I do, I never thought about it that way, but yeah, I, I hear that quite a bit. Well, also, also, I even think when it comes to people giving money to the church, I think you've, you've been really helped. You've helped some people learn how to be generous to our church because they've never learned how to give to a church until you were their pastor. And you've been able to help them even with that by saying, Hey, because you know, they know everybody knows that you're a successful businessman, and say, hey, listen, we April and I have made these kind of decisions about our finances and and our giving to our church, and you should you should make a similar decision. And it's amazing, it comes so much better from you because you're a businessman doing it than me coming to them and saying, come on, man, because they're kind of thinking, yeah, you want us to give so you can eat. Right. <laughs> it's a different it's a different kind of a conversation. Oh, oh, definitely, and I think too. So I always tell people the hardest the hardest task for someone in a ministry is to raise money for their ministry. Because the person giving sometimes has a sense that, well, they're just doing it because they want to make their payroll. They want to get paid. They want to do it. But I've been able for years to be able to tell people to give to things where I have no vested interest. And I can now speak with confidence that even in our church, even though I technically do have a vested interest now, and I'll joke about it, like I'm a little biased, but I think our church is pretty good. I think it's a great place to give. But I can say, guys, 
we don't need you to give to the church, but you know, I think you need to give because God's called you to, and it's a good thing for you to do. But I can speak with some authority in that way. And so I think that's that's extremely helpful. Now, let's talk about being a part of the Family Church Network, because from my seat, it would be infinitely more difficult for you to plant a church as a bivocational pastor if you were just independent and on your own doing it. I think there's some advantages to being a part of a network like we have at Family Church. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So first thing that always jumps out at me is our is our sermon prep. For about 15 years, I was an itinerant preacher. I'd preach five to 10 times a year, fill in for different people around the county. And my hardest part was always, what am I going to talk about today? How am I going to unpack this passage? Well, we have a preaching meeting every Tuesday for about an hour and a half. And we have a room of 10 guys in the room. And and we talk about that passage. We rip it apart. We we discuss what we want to talk about. We we come out with a, a pretty strong outline each week. And so now when I leave that hour and a half meeting, I feel like that probably saved me, I'm guessing eight to 10 hours a week of prep time. So now I can spend five or six hours in prep. So about seven or eight hours, I come up with what I think, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think they're good sermons and I'll be able to do that. Whereas it used to take me 15 to 20 hours to put a, a message together. So that's the most, you know, that's the thing that jumps out. But then also just all the stuff you you don't think about with your church. Uh, who's going to print the the programs? You know, we have these really sharp looking programs that just come out and and are very helpful to our people, you know, with announcements and fill-ins and all that kind of stuff. And then also I was able to recruit a phenomenal worship leader. I wouldn't have been able to, I mean, I, maybe I could have found somebody that good, but we got this guy who was trained by by our worship leaders. Uh, I've got a children's pastor who's been through the residency, uh, has been trained up by one of the best in the business. And and so I just go down the line. I think about, man, I just don't think we could have put this kind of staff together without the network. And so that's been helpful. So I think sermon prep, staff, and just some of the incidental things like who's going to do the program and figuring and what kind of series are we going to do? All those things are helpful. And probably some in the back of the house too. Like if you were an independent church planner, you'd be thinking, oh my gosh, who's going to insure the building? And what about payroll? And what about insure? You know, and other people are able to do that for you. And it lets you narrow your focus as a bivocational pastor to kind of preaching and people instead of having to think about the all of the little details about the business side of the church, which could be consuming if you were a standalone bivocational pastor. Hey, are there any, can you think of any downsides to being a part of a network? If there's, is there any, and it's, is there any sense where you feel like, you know, you do have a sense, you know, there's some, there's some trade-offs. There's some, a lot of benefits being a part. Is there, is there any downsides to that? Yeah. So I'd say, and one thing I'd add to on the positive side is I've got a group of pastors that I can speak to yeah. that I can, that I can go to and go, how do you guys handle this? And as a matter of fact, we have a meeting every week now. We talk about those kinds of things. As far as the negative side, because we are a network, and so some of our campuses are larger than others. Uh, mine's kind of in the on the smaller end, you know, as far as as far as you know, relatively speaking. So sometimes we do things that that a big church does that maybe we're not quite ready, and we kind of maybe feel like we're forcing it a little bit. But that's such a small thing compared to all the benefits that we get. Right. And I actually think though some of that stuff that we do. I like to say sometimes we kind of have a mega church feel in a small setting. So you think about the typical small church you might walk into. It's probably not as attractive as our church building, as our interior. And and so ours just, ours just looks really nice. And, and usually a small church just can't be in that kind of a position to have that, that kind of feel, you know? Right. And you do definitely, I mean, one of the things you're, you're not saying, but one of the things is you do give up some sense of 
the freedom and autonomy to change on a dime. Sure. Because we're working within a network. So, I mean, if it was my own church and I had no constraints, maybe next Sunday I'd just say, hey, you know what? This Sunday we're just going to do this. Right. But you, but you can't. Right. Because, like, this just, just doesn't work that way. So there is some trade-offs, but I think being a part of a network, and I'd like our listeners to hear that. If you're a pastor or you're a leader in a, in a larger church or a medium-sized church, I would encourage you to try to start some kind of a network to be a blessing and a help to other pastors by vocation or otherwise that maybe are in, are in smaller churches than yours or churches that are struggling along. And if you are a bivocational pastor, I'd encourage you to find or develop a network. Being a part of a network can be extremely powerful. Hey, Steve, if there was one thing, there, some of our listeners are thinking about becoming bivocational pastors. Some of them are going to plan a church bivocationally. Some of them are already doing that. What is one thing you would say to them if you, you have some advice to give? Because you have significant and successful experience at this at this point. What would you tell them? Yeah. You have to have a team. All right. Like I, I actually look at people and I go, how did you plan a church? Because I meet guys sometimes. I'm like, man, how did you just come here and just plan a church and start meeting people at Panera and Starbucks? And how does that work? And and But having a team, I mean, and we have a team, not only a pastoral team, but you know, some of the folks that we brought with us, uh, those, those initial hundred people, those folks are still extremely valuable in our organization and just help with the DNA. Help with help with uh, just the everyday stuff that has to get done on, especially on a Sunday morning. So you have to have a strong team, and that, that I would say that'd be the one thing if you're going to do this, you got to have got to have a team. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for coming in today. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be with us at church for the rest of us. I hope a lot of guys that are listening will feel encouraged to try planting Bivo, to make that a part of your vocabulary, a part of your future planning, at least a part of something you're willing to consider. And also, if you want to come and interact with Steve and other church planters, bivocational and full-time vocational, why don't you register for our Sharper Conference at sharperconference.com. We still have a few spots left. We'd also love for you to interact with us on our blog at familychurchnetwork.com. Hey, thanks for listening in church for the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.